She's on the road again. Marion McKeown has a front row seat for the Kerry Lake Show and the increasingly worrying trends heading into the midterm elections. We will talk about everything from the break in and assault in Nancy Pelosi's house, the Arizona voter harassment ban and the attempt by the Supreme Court to end affirmative action once and for all. That's all coming up on this week's episode of An Irishman in America. My mother believed and my father believed that if I wanted to be president of the United States, I could be, I could be vice president. This is America. Former Vice President Joe Biden has been elected president of the United States. It is my greatest honor and privilege to have been your president. We will be back in some form. We are still deeply divided. Public health experts warned this was coming unless more was done. And here we are now. Are you proud of what happened here today? Absolutely. Never before in American history has there been an uprising like this. Of the 75 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump, I don't know how many today are feeling, dear God, what was I thinking? But I would wager a lot more are thinking, let's carry on this fight. Character matters. It matters. Tell them the truth matters. The 21st century is going to be the American century. Because we lead not only by the example of our power, but by the power of our example. That is the history of the journey of America. Marion, why are people saying that Carrie Lake is so dangerous? And is she really the new face of MAGA republicanism? Yes, I think she may very well be. And I think that there are so many things about this. I've been to about half a dozen of her events now, Jarlath, you know, big ones and smaller ones as well. And I think the main thing is she is so plausible. She's so plausible. And it's really, it goes to show that, you know, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down, no matter how unpalatable, and I hesitate to call it medicine, uh, what she's saying is she says in these honeyed, sort of modulated tones, and it sounds, and then you blink and you go, my God, did she really say that? A bit of background on her first. She was a news anchor for Fox 10 News for about 22 years. She's about 53 years of age now. And she is incredibly poised. She's impeccably groomed. She's a very attractive woman, always beautifully dressed and so telegenic. Now, she's, I mean, she looks like what she is, a professional news anchor on a conservative news channel. For a long time, she claimed that she voted Democrat. She said she was so disillusioned by George W. Bush and Dick Cheney that she donated to John Kerry's campaign and she donated to Obama's campaign. Did she? We don't really know. And there's no way of knowing this. But then she claims that a bit like St. Paul on the road to Damascus, <laughs> she took she fell off her donkey and took a hard turn right. And <laughs> around the twenty twenty elections, she refused. She was on air when the twenty twenty when Arizona was called for Biden and she refused to do it. She was with her colleague and she was she basically wouldn't call it and which she then left she quit news entirely and quit working for fox entirely to become because fox wouldn't allow her apparently to show her very extreme right-wing colors so if you're too right-wing for fox you got a problem there straight off now she left can i, fox can I ask here. a question really quick there though this thing of she wouldn't call it for biden yes. on air like, is this is this real? And I always find myself asking this question, or was this part of a bigger plan that she had? Was this always her intention? Was she, is there any suggestion that she is actually an election denier 
prior to it because you know the word was out before the votes were being counted that this thing was going to be rigged was she in any way part of that or do you buy it at all when you say plausibility here do you buy any of this story honestly i think that she is too smart i think that what she has done is she's seen an opportunity to basically catapult herself onto the national screen and the national political arena. People are now talking about her as a running mate for Donald Trump in 2024. And every single person I've spoken to at her rallies and people I've spoken to who really dislike her all say she's headed for bigger things. She's getting out of Arizona. She will be a presidential candidate at some point down the road. Now, I think this is what makes her dangerous because she's got, it's very interesting. I I was at an event that Barack Obama did in Phoenix last night where he basically said, look, Again, you can dress up really awful things with good lighting and with good presentation and they will sound plausible to people more or less. And he was warning about this, that just because something comes across in in, in a very well presented, a very attractive package, you know, basically beware. And this is where Carrie Lake is. I don't believe that she's genuine, as I say. I think that she went, she left Fox News in 2021. I saw her speak at CPAC a couple of times and I saw her earlier this year. I remember thinking, wow, she's the new firebrand. She's basically Marjorie Taylor Greene with manners. And, right. and that's really how I would describe her. But that, and she's all about religion. It's like she literally suddenly got religion, but she got the MAGA religion. So she, in, she talks about God in every second sentence. I was at an event of hers in a sort of an upmarket suburb in, in Arizona called Chandler the other night. And an ambulance went by as she was speaking and she made everybody stop and pray for whoever was in that ambulance and whoever was in all the other ambulances that were currently zipping around Arizona. You know, and I, it just came across as so phony. I was like, oh God, she brings God in, into everything. But this is, her crowd are a very religious crowd. She has ad- attracted not just the Trump MAGA supporters, but she's going after veterans. She's going after independents. I will say she's got a, you know, Katie Hobbs, her Democratic opponent, is a really laudable woman. She's done amazing things. She ran the biggest shelter for domestic violence in Arizona. She was a social worker. She came from a very humble background. She helped. She has, she's been all about public service all her life, but she does not have this pizzazz and this fire and this thing that now politicians seem to need that they have to be celebrities, that you can no longer have a politician who is just good at their job. They've got to be all singing, all dancing, all TV ready. And Katie Hobbs quite simply isn't. She's not a great public speaker. She didn't debate Carrie Lake, which Carrie Lake has made huge hay of. Uh, She said Carrie Lake would just be spouting lies the whole way through the debate. Everything that I've seen Carrie Lake say so far has been ridiculous on the campaign trail. I'll give you a couple of examples. At an event yesterday, She's she talks about these problems that don't exist. And this is, of course, the big MAGA straight out of the MAGA playbook. So one of them is she's talking about grooming five-year-old kids in kindergarten, sexually grooming five-year-old children. My opponent actually co-sponsored legislation to start sex ed starting in kindergarten. Does anybody think that's appropriate? I mean, maybe I'm missing something here. Now, she claims that elementary schools, it's not happening. It's not happening in Arizona. But she says she will prevent elementary school teachers from talking about sex to five-year-old children. 
it's not happening. So she invents a problem so she can present a solution. And, and why do you said, think it's not? Why can you say with such clarity, Marion, that it's not happening? Because I have made several calls to the school boards, to school districts, and they say they do not provide, they provide sex education to children in primary school, at primary school level to, to 10 and 11 year old children. And they said, it's just not on the agenda for five-year-olds. It's just not, mm. it's just not being taught. So she is saying then only weirdos would want to talk to five-year-olds about sex, that they're grooming kids, and that what kind of weird teachers are there in public schools who are just dying to do this? And how do they get into public schools? So she, she spins all this into this crazy thing. She does the same with critical race theory. Oh my God, if I hear about critical race theory being taught in schools again, it's not taught in schools. It's a myth. It's what Len Youngkin won the Virginia governorship on, the same claim about that if he's governor, he will ban critical race theory from schools. It's not being taught in the first place. Very easy to uh, pull off that achievement in that yeah, case. Yeah, you can then exactly. put a big tick exactly. next to it. And then she's talking about how she's on the fir her first day as governor, she's going to declare a border invasion. Okay. Now, what does that even mean? And she said she's going to take on the drug cartels who are bringing fentanyl into America. Just a couple of things here. And I have checked this with the Border Patrol. I've checked this with the Arizona police. They all say that 85% of the fentanyl coming over the border is brought back by white Americans who do little junket trips to Mexico to get fentanyl there. Yes, there is fentanyl in Mexico. Yes, it's coming over the border, but it's white American citizens who are bringing back the vast majority of themselves in their bags or in their car boots or in you know whatever way. And apparently the other most, like 99% of the other 15% is coming in through ports. It's coming in through ports and on private airplanes. It's, you know, she has, she's presenting this image that desperate migrants who haven't even got shoes on their feet, who all they're carrying is a bottle of water if they're lucky, that they're carrying giant sacks full of fentanyl on their so shoulders. And as soon as they get over the board, they dump them all on the ground in Arizona and the kiddies come running on their bikes and cycling on their bikes, the six-year-olds, and they shove them into their mouths by the fistful because they're candy-coloured and they look like sweets. All of this is nonsense. And declaring a border invasion, I, I digress there because, you know, what she says just isn't true. And as you say, if you make something up that doesn't exist, it's very easy to offer a solution and then to pretend you found a solution that you have fixed it. But surely drugs cartels are, are a real problem. They're a huge problem, but they're not in Arizona. They're in Mexico. Carrie Lake isn't going to be going into Arizona to take on the drug cartels. And if she does, she's even crazier than I thought, frankly, because she lasts about 30 seconds. It's just not happening the way she's saying it. Drugs are a massive problem in America. Absolutely. You had a hundred over a hundred thousand deaths from drug overdoses, mostly from fentanyl and opioids in America last year. But the opioids were supplied by, you know, we know the Sackler family and by legal prescriptions. And the fentanyl has been brought in by Americans who are addicted to it, by white Americans. So this problem is being looked at from a completely this is an American generated problem. This right. is a problem that was generated by corporations in America. And now they're picking up the slack. Like, as I say, Americans are now going over the border to satisfy their addictions, which should never have happened in the first place. But we're digressing. So a border invasion, again, it's meaningless. What do you do? She can't, you can call out the National Guard to the border, sure, but the National Guard cannot be armed. They cannot do anything except support. Basically, to put it crudely, 
what the National Guard can do is if a member of the Border Patrol gets a flat tire, <laughs> the National Guard can fix it for them. You know, they cannot do anything except stand around basically and offer backup. Backup as in they can type up the charges that illegal immigrants are charged with. They can, as I said, they can fix the cars for the Border Patrol people, but they can't do anything else. Now, what she's really getting at is more sinister. The main thing about Carrie Lake that worries me is if you look at the company she keeps, on stage the other night, she had Steve Bannon. Yes, Steve Bannon. You may have thought he was in prison, but he had not yet. While he, he's appealing his four-month prison sentence at the moment that he received in Washington in a federal course, court, his criminal case in New York is starting in a week or two, which I think could very likely land him behind bars. That's based on the fraud that Bannon carried out. He joined an organization called We Build the Wall. They pretended they were going to finish Trump's wall. They got millions of dollars and by Bannon allegedly pocketed about a million of that. It's a straightforward grift, but yet he's on stage with these Arizona people, many of whom have probably donated to the We Build a Wall campaign, got stiffed by Bannon, and they're cheering for him like he's Elvis. Unbelievable. <laughs> I'm, not I'm not kidding. Bannon is there on stage with Carrie Lake. So a convict who's facing another fraud trial. And on the other side for is Mark Fincham, the guy who was outside the Capitol on January 6th. He's running for Secretary of State, who has promised that he will fix it for Trump to win in 2024, and who is so batshit crazy on so many other things that it's almost comical. And then her other big buddy is a woman called Wendy Rogers. And this is where I go back to the border and her border invasion, basically. Wendy Rogers is running for a state house, House of Representatives. She is a woman who hangs around with white nationalists and Oath Keepers. Of course, Mark Fincham is, is also an Oath Keeper, but she wants to set up a militia, an independent militia of, and they were described to me by a veteran the other night as drunk white guys who want to kick brown ass. And these would be guys who would just go down to the border with their guns, you know, unload their, their and bring all their ammunition and their beer, basically, and take pot shots at people coming over the border. That's what Wendy Rogers wants. And Carrie Lake is very good friends with Wendy Rogers, and she's urging everyone to vote for Wendy Rogers. So this is the company that Carrie Lake is keeping. When you say it and when you articulate it in that way, I'm sure there are people scratching their heads listening to this. But I've spent... Uh, portion of this week kind of trying to dig and scrabble around a bit and scratch the surface on what these groups of people that you're describing believe in and that the core of it is that the last election was a fraud that it was stolen and of course Carrie Lake is kind of the night she won the Republican primary she walked on stage carrying this sledgehammer and vowed That's to right. use it on the electronic voting machines if she's elected governor. Is that the core of all of this, that there is within all of these people that you're describing a genuine belief that the last election was robbed? And their basis for thinking that is that essentially the rallies they attended had more people at them than the Biden ones. Yeah, you know, I uh, two things there. And I think what you just said is definitely a big part of it, Charlotte. And we spoke about this before, where I was at rallies in places like Ohio and in 
really godforsaken places in Michigan, Ohio and Wisconsin, where you could see the poverty, you could see the drug addiction, you could see the misery of so many of the lives of people at those rallies. But there were thousands and thousands. And if you go to those rallies and you're surrounded by Trump supporters for as far as you can see, and the atmosphere is on fire and the passions are so inflamed, you would probably think we couldn't have lost. We couldn't have mm. lost. How could we lose this? Yeah, uh, makes no sense. Yeah. But I believe that you could be an ordinary person who was there and think that. I don't believe that Carrie Lake or Mark Fincham or any of these people who are 2020 election deniers actually believe it because they know they have access to information. They know about the 60 court cases where everything was thrown out. They know that these conspiracy theories involving Hugo Chavez and all these people are absolute nonsense. But this is, to me, this is, they are using this, they've hijacked this 2020 election as a way of being able to say to Republicans everywhere and to Americans everywhere, if I don't win, this is rigged. And Carrie Lake has said that, and so has Mark Finch. And she's basically said, like she's been asked repeatedly, well, will you accept the results of your race against Katie Hobbs? And she refuses to say, yes, I will. What she's going to say is, if I win it, I'll accept it. Just like Donald Trump. But if I don't win it, it was rigged. So this is a way for these people to try and hold on to power at any cost. Because again, we've spoken about this before. This is all about the white replacement theory. This is all about having brown and black and Asian people in Congress where they believe white people should be. And so if you have a bunch of white candidates running and they didn't win, well, then it was rigged. You know, if you have a bunch of MAGA people running and, it, and they don't win, of course it's rigged. And it's very hard to answer that because they're saying, unless I win, this is a fraud, yeah. like Donald Trump's. So it's a model now for how to behave if you're running exactly. under this banner. Exactly. But when Joe Biden says that democracy is at stake this week, when he said that there's a real threat to democracy, is that is this specifically what he's referring to, that people are arguing for not believing in electoral outcomes that don't suit them? Well, I think that has, but so many other things as well. I think Arizona, I've been to Nevada, I've been to, to Colorado briefly as well, but Arizona to me is ground zero of what America's future could look like. In Arizona, you have a governor candidate, Carrie Lake, you have a candidate for Secretary of State, Mark Finchin, who would automatically become governor if anything happened to Carrie Lake. You have an attorney general, you have congressional candidates who are all pushing a brilliant right-wing sort of agenda on so many levels and who are all election deniers and who have all said that basically, they, you know, this talk about only having handwritten ballots and hand counting them, this is just a symbol, a metaphor for what they want to do is they want to take the country back to 1952 when whites and males generally absolutely ruled America and everybody else minded their manners and knew their place. And again, what they want is they want to be able to, as they say, to get rid of all the voting machines and they only want people to be able to vote on one day. So you can't, there'll be no early voting, no mail-in voting, no dropping off ballots for 
elderly, our sick relatives, our friends in advance, they say that if you can't turn out and vote on election day, you don't deserve to vote. The reason for this is that really uh, white people tend to have a better chance of turning out on election day. They tend to be wealthier in these red states and in these swing states. They tend to have cars. They tend to not have minimum wage jobs where they wouldn't be allowed off work. And they tend to just have more autonomy over their ability to vote. So by Mm. saying everybody has to vote on one day, they're basically ensuring that a lot of people won't be able to vote and the people who won't be able to vote will be disproportionately poorer people and disproportionately minorities. So this is where a a big part of this whole thing is coming from. As I said, they're trying to retrofit America back to 1950. And as I say, the whole unspoken thing is when white men ruled. And 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 when pencil and paper was how you cast your vote. That this seems to be the the big push. I'm saying that sitting in a country where we spent so much money on uh, electronic voting machines that never saw the light of day. The other contention that she keeps making is that Katie Hobbs is a twice convicted racist. Yeah. What is it in these? How can she tweet that out with such authority each and every day of the campaign? Okay. And she has said it at every campaign stop I've been at. First of all, she makes jokes about Katie Hobbs's crowds, how nobody turns out for her. And, you know, everybody loves Carrie. But the second thing is she says she is a twice convicted racist. Okay. Like everything else, Carrie Lake says, that sentence is completely false. A conviction suggests a criminal offence. You cannot be convicted in a civil court. Now, there was a case that was brought when Katie Hobbs was the Democratic minority leader in the Senate in Arizona. Okay, so there was a woman who was a policy advisor to the Democratic staff in general. Her name was Talonia Adams. She was a black woman, and in February 15, she was fired. She was fired in part for protesting that she was being paid less than some of her white colleagues. And then she was also fired because she was taking a lot of time out to go out of state to care for her son, apparently, who lived out of state, an adult son. But this was incompatible with her job. Now, she, as was absolutely her right, she filed two two civil actions, one for sexual harassment because she said that, you know, the care of her son, that wouldn't happen to a man, basically. And one was for race, where she said that she was fired for saying that she was paid less than than other people because she was black. So she's claiming racial discrimination. She's got really strong grounds for both of these cases and she wins. There's an award of $2.7 million is made against the Arizona State Senate. Katie Hobbs was not named as a defendant, okay, in this. Mm. It was the Democratic state, basically, the, the Democratic state party who had hired this woman. So Carrie Lake is saying that it was Katie Hobbs. It wasn't Katie Hobbs. It it was, the, she was called on to testify, and so was her chief of staff called on to testify, and so were various other people called on to testify. But she was not the defendant in this case. So it's a myth. This woman was, to my view, um, treated badly to Leda Adams. I don't think she should have been fired, but it, it was the Democratic Party. It certainly shows hypocrisy on the Arizona State Democratic Party side, but it wasn't Katie, Ad- Katie Hobbs who made the decision. It wasn't Katie Hobbs who, who decided what she would mm. be paid. So it, it's, again, it's one of these things where there is a kernel of accuracy in there, in that the Dems were sued, the state Dems, by a black woman who won. She claimed sexual discrimination, racial discrimination. She won. It was against the state Democrats. 
but it wasn't against Katie Hobbs. It's a, it's the Trump playbook in so many yeah. ways. It's the it's yeah. her crooked Hillary. It's the yeah, phrase that she fine. rings that bell every time her opponent's name comes up, and there's something in it and enough smoke for people to sense exactly. fire. There is a grain in there. There, you know, some of these things did happen. But not all of them. And then she whips it up into this thing and she falsely puts it, lays it at Katie Hobbs's feet. And then she calls her a convicted racist. And everybody believes it. Everybody mm. I've spoken to in Arizona believes it. Now, I was at, as I said, the Obama event last night. I was at a Carrie Lake event yesterday afternoon. And I'm just going to bring it up as an example of how hoodwinked so many Americans are. And your heart just goes out to them. Okay, this was an event for veterans. And now Carrie Lake does this thing and it, it kind of makes me laugh where it's called her Ask Me Anything Tour. And you get the impression that Carrie Lake is there and you can ask her anything because that's what it says on the tin. What happens is Carrie Lake goes in, she sits on a stage, she doesn't do some speeches. She's interviewed by friendly people, shall we say. So she has this format that's almost borrowed from her days as a news anchor, only she's on the receiving end of the questions. But these are all softball questions. That So she picks a friend who will then say, so who will then ask her a series of questions that she can kind of battle away or whatever. And this is what happened yesterday at a veterans event. All these veterans turned up thinking that they could ask Carrie Lake anything about veteran care or whatever or, the, or their situation in Arizona which is beyond grim, let me tell you. And there are about half a million veterans in Arizona. So they're a big voter constituency. But instead, Carrie Lake sits on her stage and she flatters them and she cajoles them and she woos them. And they're all eating out of her hand, literally. Um, not literally, but pretty close to <laughs> at, at certain points. And then this guy comes on stage and he asks her all these questions, which are basically, but Carrie, how did you get to be so wonderful? Carrie, how did you become so popular? Carrie, how have we only discovered you now? And so, but then in, in amazingly, one of the questions that came up was about the veterans. Carrie Lake has promised that if she becomes governor, she will get every homeless person off the streets of Phoenix and all cities in Arizona. Now, she doesn't say where she's going to send them again, a bit like Donald Trump. They're just going to be got off the streets. There will be no people sleeping on the streets. There will be no people camping in parks in Arizona when she becomes governor. And that is a really popular position. The only problem is a lot of Arizona's homeless are veterans. A lot of the people sleeping on the streets, a lot of the people living in deplorable conditions, a lot of the people, you know, camping in ragged, tents and come by bits of plastic are actually military veterans who have served their country. And so she's asked about homelessness and veterans. And she basically, the cluelessness of what she says, she says, oh yes, I looked this up before I came on stage and there's a number you can dial. And here's the number. As if they didn't know that already. Yeah. As if they were, and then she said, the problem is really that there are programs available, but veterans just don't know about them, which meant that she didn't have to make any pledge to veterans that she would provide them with any new services or any new anything. She's basically just saying, look, you're getting what you're getting. It's out there. You need to just find out about it. Now, after the event, I spoke to several veterans and I said, what did you think of that answer? They were ticked off about it. There was also a question about suicide rates for veterans. And she basically said, well, there's a helpline, you know, call the helpline. And, and for anyone to give that answer wow. is deplorable. But and tone so deaf. I, 
Yeah, I, I but like offering no solutions. She only <laughs> offers solutions to imaginary problems. Yeah, uh, so, giving out an giving out a phone number is it's just I mean laughable. It's, it's kind of shocking. But so I spoke with a couple of veterans, and there was one guy, a guy called Mike Inholt. Okay, he fought in Iraq. He was a combat veteran of Iraq, and then he went to Afghanistan after that. He was badly injured. The Humvee he was in went over. It it had some kind of a rocker. It had some kind of accident, and he broke his neck, but in a way that the surgery was successful in that he can walk, but he has excruciating pain all the time. He sleeps in a car that was given to him by a relative. He's been sleeping in a car for over two years now he said that he basically has to drive to a different place because you get if you park in the car park of a, a walmart or whatever you're hunted off by security if you park on the side of the road you're told to move on by the police and he said that he has the numbers he said he knows what to do and he said but basically that when he talks to the social worker he's been appointed the social worker says to him well, you're lucky you have a car to sleep in. Look at all the guys who are sleeping on the street who are veterans. And he said, there is no help. He said, you're just given the runaround and given the runaround and that the disability benefits he gets means that he doesn't qualify for housing. So either he gives up the disability benefits and becomes absolutely destitute while he waits for a house or he basically takes his benefits, which is, I think he said about $200 a week and he lives in his car. So this is what veterans are dealing with. And, you know, she she does this smoothest last sort of slick, how, she, how heroic they are. And, oh, my God, she said, I wished I was a veteran. My big regret in life is that I didn't serve in the military. And it's as phony. And you're just listening to this phoniness. Mm. Um, but it's just the media training of years behind a microphone that it just... Oh, she's a superb performer. It's yeah, uh, absolutely. easy to see why Republican insiders are really speculating that she could be Trump's vice presidential nominee in 2024. But my question for you, Marion, is, is she ain't no Mike Pence. Would Trump stomach a, a woman like this or any woman as his vice presidential nominee? I think Trump would be delighted to have a woman as a vice presidential nominee who knows her place, mm. okay? Because that's what these guys are all about, having beautiful, attractive, you know, quaffed, well-dressed women who know their place. And Carrie Lake is all of that. She, I mean, Trump adores her. Trump has said to everybody, if you ask Carrie Lake how her children are, she'll tell you the 2020 election was rigged. And, and this is supposed to be a good thing. <laughs> like that all she does is talk about how the election was rigged. And she's Trump's greatest surrogate and his most fierce surrogate. Oh, you can guarantee that if she is his running mate, she will slavishly um, follow Trump around the place. She will slavishly praise Trump. She's doing it already. She will slavishly repeat every falsehood that he said because she has her eye on the presidency. She wants to inherit the MAGA base. And if she has the mixture of the MAGA base, and as I said, the telegenic, polished smarts that appeal to sort of the moderates and the independents because people really aren't looking beyond the package of Carrie Lake. They're really not looking at the contents. And that is why I think she is so very dangerous mm -hmm. because she comes across so well and she comes across as being very likable. Well, this is no Marjorie Taylor Greene or Sarah Palin. I mean, she's not at all, she doesn't seem to be at all crazy or she hasn't got that sort of anger and that mm. belligerence yeah. and that. 
you know, as I said, she, she's Marjorie Taylor Greene with very good manners. You know, and, yeah, and that, with that amount of yeah. on-air time, she's not going to yeah. flip out, and there is no there is no sense of that being close to the surface. And as you say, she does speak to this huge number of Republicans who are just pissed off that other Republicans didn't stand up in the face of what they saw as a steal yeah. in this election. Now, if you want to understand that base and that movement a bit more, I'd recommend listening to one of the most recent episodes of This American Life entitled Watching the Watchers and how these new MAGA Republicans are essentially taking over the party under the urgings of Steve Bannon. It's an unbelievable listen. We might talk about that a little bit more in the second half of our conversation with Marion. We've certainly got a lot to get to over on patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. You can hear it all, support our show, and get access to hundreds more episodes from our back catalogue. Ready? You have the cameras rolling? This is America. A lot of people who would probably consider themselves liberal have done very well financially under the Donald Trump four years. You encouraged espionage against our people. You condemn any interference by Russia in the American election. By Russia or anybody else. Russia, please, if you can, get us Hillary Clinton's emails. Please, Russia, please. To renew America, we must revitalize our democracy.